Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another very, very, very special edition of Animals to the Max. I am your host, Corbin Maxey. Ladies and gentlemen, Oh my goodness. Okay. I am so excited because we have officially hit 100 episodes. Oh man, this is just so exciting. I think anyone who has a podcast, I think your hundredth episode is like a huge milestone just because it's like we made it. And it's so crazy to look back and think, dear Lord, did I really talk for a hundred episodes? And I was just thinking about this the other day driving home. I was like, wow. So I probably have well over 100 plus hours of content like hours. I folks, I have days of content. Matter of fact, you could take a road trip probably across the country and listen to uh, all the animals to the max episodes. And I probably will still have more to say. So, I mean, you know, through those episodes, so it's just crazy. And so, you know, a lot of people for their hundredth episodes, they have on special guests or they do, you know, I, you know, various things. And I thought, you know what, I want to do something kind of unique. I want to do 100 things I've learned from each episode. And I know that sounds like a lot, but I'm basically going to go through each episode. I have my phone next to me. I have not prepped this. I want to keep this as organic as possible. So I'm literally just going to go to my podcast app on iTunes, go to go to the podcast, obviously animals to the max and just scroll down, you know, start from the bottom and just work my way up. And like the first thought that comes to mind, the first thing I learned, first memory, I'm just going to say it. And because, you know, there's a lot of amazing you know, interviews I was able to do, a lot of things I learned about animals, and I just want to see kind of what sticks out, and I hope you, you know, really enjoy this for the 100th episode. I, I just can't even believe it, and I can't believe like it's been, you know, we're in season three, we're in our third year, time just flies, and what's so cool is I'm recording right now in my office, the very place I recorded my first episode, now I have a better mic, thank goodness. And I'm, you know, I have my dog Zoe right next to me and she was there the very first episode. And so fingers crossed she'll bark uh, just because that's what she did during the first episode, but it's so cool. So it's just me and Zoe. I'm in my office having a cup of coffee and we're going to go through the past 100 episodes. Before we get going, I just want to say thank you to every single person who takes the time to listen to the show. I know I say that every time, but I, you know, just, just to be able to have your ears and for anyone to take the time to listen to the show, it means so much to me. And, you know, when I first started this, I had no idea who would listen. Like, I was like, who in the world? Like, how are they going to find it? I mean, I just, I had no idea just regarding podcasts and the reach that they could, you know, really get around the world, the, the, the traction. So thank you. Once again, with that said, let's, let's get it. You guys, let's go back. Let's go through one. 100 episodes. As always, if something sticks out of the memory and you're like, wow, that episode sounds cool, check it out. All the episodes are available on iTunes or wherever. Obviously, you listen to podcasts. They're all free. Check them out. And yeah, and like I said, hope you hopefully you enjoy this walk down memory lane. Let's go, you guys. 100 episodes. All right, episode one was titled My Passion for Animals and How I Brought That to TV. And to be honest, I, you know, when I started this, this whole podcast thing was my wife's idea. She was like, you really, really should start a podcast. And, you know, for one, I had never really listened to podcasts. And I was like, I mean, what? Like, who listens to podcasts? So she really got me turned on to podcasts. I started listening to them and I thought, wow, I should really start a podcast. There really wasn't much in the animal podcasting world. Now, since 
since I've started, you know, there's several more shows have come up, which is great. We love the, you know, animal podcast community. But when I first started, there wasn't that many of them. And I have to say, I was really intimidated to start the show. Me and technology just do not get along. And the fact of trying to figure out like how to get it up on a website, how to put up like an RSS feed, I just was like, it it was really intimidating. And I thought, how am I going to do this? How am I going to connect it to iTunes? Like, how am I going to get the cover art? I mean, just the statistics, which I didn't even have plugged in for half a year. Anyway, long story short, I was super intimidated, but I learned to just go for it. And I encourage each and every one of you, if you have a goal in life or you want to accomplish something and maybe it seems like crazy and, you know, scary, just go for it. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? And yeah, and I'm so happy I did because, you know, starting the podcast, I'd have to say it was probably one of my favorite things I've ever done, like career wise, was this podcast. And it's really opened so many doors. So definitely, if you have a goal, definitely go for it. Episode two was the Eagle Owl Dilemma. And this is, well, actually, it wasn't an eagle owl, so I should probably change that title. It was a great horned owl that flew into our chicken coop. It was injured, and it tried to eat one of our chickens. And this was the episode two, as I mentioned, and this was the first time I thought, wow, I could really use this podcast just to talk about everyday things. Like, this is what happens when you live out in the country, when you, you know, work with animals, or when you have animals like chickens, where you, you know, do have to, you know, deal with predators. And it was uh, very neat to be able to highlight that, and it was the first time I was like this, you know, I could use the podcast for that. Episode three, the African adventures with tigers in India. I had my first guest ever, my friend Val. We went to Boise State together. We went to, uh, I, yeah, yes, we went to the Seychelles Islands together, um, some islands off the coast of Africa. It was great. And I had her as a guest. And I think the number one thing I learned was one, don't record an episode in a kitchen. You could hear the echo. But I look back and that was probably one of my favorite interviews. It was great. We just like relaxed. We had a few beers. We just, just like reminisced about college and, you know, some of the happiest times of our lives. I do want to say uh, animal wise, what I learned is that it is incredibly hard to find tigers in India. You could go there, you could spend a lot of money and you could not see tigers. Now Val did see tigers on a whim, but like I said, I mean, they're very elusive and you know, there's only a few thousand left. So that is something I did learn. Episode four, great whites, sea turtles, dolphins, life as an aquarist. Once again, I went through my animal friends and my friend Chrissy, she works at uh, one of the top sea life aquariums in the world. And she came on the show and it was so cool. And what really sticks out in this interview was just her talking about great whites and how their eyes are, there's so much emotion in those eyes. And it's actually not scary when you see one face to face. And at first I thought, well, you're just full of crap, but it actually makes sense. I've talked to a few people since who have swam with great light, great whites, great whites on the show. And they've said that their eyes, there's, there, there's emotion. They're not just these cold, scary creatures. It's actually a really neat experience. And so that is definitely a bucket list experience for sure. Episode five, Vipers, Cobras, and Komodo Dragons. Once again, you guys, these early episodes I pulled from my group of uh, animal related friends. My buddy, Matt, uh, he was an old keeper at the St. Louis Zoo. Well, not an old keeper. He's not elderly, but he had worked at the St. Louis Zoo for many years. I love the St. Louis Zoo. I have family in St. Louis. So, you know, when I was a kid, we'd always go to the zoo and their reptile collection is just just, just, just phenomenal. And so I remember having Matt on the show and he was just great. And he, you know, talked about his experiences working at the zoo and going to our mania. I just, yeah, absolutely love that. And I love all the conservation work he was doing, breeding these vipers. So it was a really cool one. Check that out. If you're into reptiles or venomous snakes, it's definitely one of my favorites. Episode six, 
the 2017 recap. Well, that's probably just what I talked about. I have no idea what I said, but just probably recapping all the months. Kind of something, you know, along the lines of what I'm doing now. It's just me and a microphone. It's organic. It's not scripted. It's just like, what comes to mind? I'll tell you what comes to mind is it was so much easier to do a recap on a podcast than actually put together a blog. Like I used to do blogs of, you know, like a recap of the year. And it was just, you guys, it took days and days and days. And I spent like I said, days and hours and putting together these blogs. I remember I, you know, put it up on Facebook and I maybe would only get like 10, 15 likes. And it was like, man, like I wish more people would like be able to read this and I wish it could reach more people. And I put so much effort. And now with the podcast, I'm just able to record a podcast and I put it out there and you can listen to it if you want. And and it's great. It's actually reaches more people. So that's what I liked about this podcast and doing recaps. Okay, episode seven. So you want to be a zookeeper. This was awesome. And I have to say I was starstruck. So this was the first time ever that I did a podcast collaboration. So one of the very first animal podcasts I listened to was the Zookeeper Stories podcast. And the host is Matt Price. He's a great host. And check out the Zookeeper Stories podcast. He stopped doing them. I think his last recorded one was in 2018. Sorry, Matt, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but please record more because you are excellent at interviewing and I love the story. So we did a collaboration. We talked about, uh, you know, just behind the scenes with Matt and it was so cool. And it was, I, I think what comes to mind is when I asked him what would be worse, being stuck in an enclosure with a gorilla, an orangutan, or a chimpanzee, and I had him rank them. And so interestingly, he said, one, the chimp would be worse, two, the orangutan, which is so crazy, you'd think that, I just, I don't know, they look so peaceful, and three would be the gorilla, the least deadly. So that kind of comes to mind. The next episode, episode eight, Adventures of a World Traveler. Once again, I reached into my bucket of animal friends, and I had my friend Amy on, and she talked about her world adventures and it was it was just great we relived everything i think this was the longest episode to date i want to say it was like two and a half like oh you hear zoe hi honey we only have like 92 more to go babe or did i do my math right oh my god i did anyway long story short this was the longest podcast but it was super cool kind of she relived her experiences one story that stuck out is when her and her girlfriend were in Austra- or excuse me africa and they were sleeping in a tent and they they were um you know they they awoke to an elephant outside their tent that was throwing branches on their tent i thought that was a really cool story so check that out i do want to say though after that episode amy i love you to death but i kind of decided like you know what i'm gonna probably keep the podcast to an hour uh, just for my sanity regardless editing (laughs) so that's why from then on you're probably going to notice the podcasts aren't as long but you know it still was a really fun time and you live and you learn and amy was great episode nine my dream job saving birds of prey i went uh, this was actually my first podcast i did on location minus the one i did in my kitchen but i went to the world center for birds of prey in boise idaho and you know where i live about an hour away from boise and i went and sat down with my friend aaron katzner and she is the director of global engagement. She's kind of like the spokesperson for the World Center for Birds of Prey. And she just talks about her career working with birds and training birds. She worked at the Columbus Zoo with Jack Hanna. She did, I think one story that sticks out for me though, 
is when she said when she worked at the National Aviary, I believe in Pittsburgh, that's where that is. She actually was on Animal Planet's Pet Star, and she was talking about how she was so starstruck meeting uh, Mario Lopez. But on Pet Star, she brought a penguin, and they had to fly the penguin. And she said, "Oh my God, I, I was laughing so hard." She said the airline stewardess were asking if like they needed special water from Africa for the penguin. I was, <laughs> I was like, "This is awesome." So yeah, I love that. St- I love that story check that out episode 10 is probably one of our most controversial episodes to date and to date the most actually one of the most listened to i think it's number two regarding the most listened to but it's about wolves and i sit down with maggie howell which has the best name in the world you know she works for you know with wolves and her last name's howell so maggie good for you She's the director of the New York Wolf Conservation Center. And we talk about wolves. And this was the first time on my social media. I was like, I wonder if anyone has anything to say about wolves or if they would comment. And I just, I literally just typed on Facebook. I was like, what are your thoughts about wolves? And over 100 plus comments later, I was like, wow, we really have something here. And we went over those comments with Maggie. She dispelled so many myths and I I, I love it. And for those of you who listen to the show, you know, I live in Idaho and wolves have such a bad rap. And it's like, I want to like dispel some of the myths. The number one myth I love to dispel is that the Canadian wolf is not a separate species. It's not this crazy, bigger, badder wolf. And wolves rarely get over like 110, 120 pounds. 120 pounds is like a big wolf. So they're not these giant monsters that people portray them out to be. And you know, the way you'll see hunters like make the photo look bigger than it is. It's anyway, it's just, yeah. So I was happy to dispel some myths. Episode 11 was another sit down I had with a hunter. So I actually, uh, one of my buddy's brothers is an active hunter. He is a conservationist. I mean, he does everything legally and, you know, he loves the outdoors. He, you know, loves to hunt. He harvests everything. So he doesn't, you know, waste any of the food, but I wanted to have him on the show to talk about hunting and his opinion on wolves. And he came over to my house. We did this interview and it was great. Um, you know, his name's Caleb. He, you know, he's still a friend. We did agree on some stuff, but yeah, I mean, that was the first time that we had you know, someone from the other side uh, talking about that. And so that was interesting. Okay. Episode 12. Oh my goodness. Says special announcement. Okay. So I'm assuming the special announcement was probably a today show booking. And this was the first time I was able to use the podcast to let you know first, let my audience know first, you know, what's going on. And I think that's what I love this podcast. I'm able to let you know first, like I, you know, before anything, before social media, I can just release a quick announcement and it reaches you. If you have downloaded the podcast, have your subscribed, you'll get it first. So that's the first time I was like, this is kind of cool. I'll be able to do that and let you know. Let's see, episode 13, Zookeeper Stories interview. So that is so, you know, like I mentioned, I interviewed Matthew Price or Matt Price from the Zookeeper Stories podcast. He interviewed me as well and put that on his show. And he was so, um, just so gracious enough to share my interview with me. So I was able to share it with my audience. And this is kind of what happens in the podcast community is that we all help each other out. Like we're all, you know, we're, we're all there. It's not, you know, we're not competing with each other. I really like that. And we all offer different twists. So it's like, and I've, and I'm being so honest, I'm not blowing smoke. Like everyone genuinely wants everyone's show to like succeed. All we're doing is we're trying to 
get positive messages of animals out there. We're trying to entertain people and, you know, trying to educate people at the same time. So that's, you know, the first time I was like, wow, this guy's great. It's really cool. He just shared this content with me that I could share with my audience. So, oh, let's see. Episode 14, Today Show Recap. Oh my goodness. I'm reading my, my description here. The, uh, in this episode, I discussed my recent appearance on the Today Show working with the former first lady. Oh, Laura Bush. Oh my goodness. Check that out. Listen to that episode. That was like the, oh my goodness. I, you guys, I was like freaking out. I was like, you're kidding me. I'm going to be doing a segment with the former first lady. I had just found out that morning we had a, uh, we had a cockatoo, a rose breasted cockatoo. What was his name? Oh, his name was Buffett. We had Buffett, the rose breasted cockatoo fly and, uh, take a dollar from the former first lady, um, during a live taping on the today show, we had a studio audience and that sticks out as probably one of the most monumental, TV appearances of my career, just working with someone of that, of just that stature. She was so nice. And I, it was so weird to just, it was one of those, like, what am I doing here? Like, how am I like this kid from Idaho? Like, I mean, why, why, what? I'm like talking about animals with the former first lady. And then I'm having like in front of a studio audience and it's on the today show. It was very surreal for me. And it was one of those, like, wow, this is great. Like years and years and years and years and years and years of hard work has really paid off. So that was one of my probably one of my favorite Today Show appearances. So I, like I said, encourage you to check that out. Episode 15, Octopus, Sea Turtles, and Hammerheads. This is when I had, uh, oh my goodness, this was a fun one. I had Sam on from the Adventure Aquarium. She's an aquarist. And she just kind of talked about what it was like working at one of the world's number one aquariums and, you know, swimming with hammerheads. And she was uh, really good. I actually get a lot of positive feedback from this episode from a lot of people, you know, who want to be a marine biologist. Sam was really good. And yeah, and she actually, her and I met on the set of the Today Show when I was working with the Adventure Aquarium. So, uh, Aquarium, excuse me. I'm like not pronouncing my stuff right. I'm like, Aquarium, Aquarium. And uh, yeah, sorry guys, sidetracked. But uh, yeah, check that out. Sam's super cool. And they're the only facility I think that has hammerheads. So I was like super into like, tell me about the hammerhead. And it turns out the hammerhead's like super shy. And the hammerhead's name was Waldo. That's what sticks out to me because the hammerhead, you know, it's just like finding Waldo. They could never find the hammerhead because it was so small when they first got it. So episode 16, wildlife advocate and adventure enthusiast. This guy was so cool. So um, this one here, I actually had Aaron Couch on the show. Aaron was a jack of many trades. He currently works at a wildlife rehabilitation center, but then he also worked at an emergency pet clinic in Alaska. And I specifically remember him telling me that bald eagles in Alaska were so numerous, they were like pigeons. And that always stuck out to me because I live on the Snake River and we have our resident bald eagle named Louie. We see him every winter. We actually just saw him just a few days ago for the first time this year of uh, 2019. And I freak out every time I see him. And Aaron's like, yeah, they're just like pigeons in Alaska. So that definitely stuck out to me. All right, episode 17, fruit bats, tigers, and burrowing owls. This was awesome. Once again, I went back to uh, my pool of friends from Boise State University in the biology program. I interviewed my friend Diane and we just sat at actually at her place. It was, oh my goodness, we had so much fun. We like ordered pizza and then we, you know, we just had this podcast and we talked about our experiences going to the Seychelles Islands together. It was the first time that we had ever been, I believe both of us out of the country and we were young undergrads in the biology program and we're just, we're reminisced about the giant tortoises and the fruit bats and it just, oh, it was so cool. And I, I, I look back those were some of the best times of my life just because you were just young and it was just ah, just yeah it just was such a good time so I love reminiscing check that out I also get super jealous something that comes to mind 
is when I talked, uh, you know, to her about her experience because she did go to India um, and, you know, through the biology program. That is a trip I did not go on. And she talks about seeing tigers and I was super jealous. So episode 18, wildlife rescue. My goodness, this is when I sit down with this person, such a character, her, uh, my really good friend, Mady, she is, uh, she is the founder of the animals, animals in distress organization in Boise. She, uh, you know, has been rescuing native wildlife. So skunks, bats, raccoons, badgers, coyotes, foxes, just about anything, squirrels. She, uh, has been rescuing these animals and I just wish you could see Mady. She's like five foot tall. She probably weighs like 80 pounds. She's just tiny little thing. And she has this wild, personality and she was so fun to highlight I remember one experience she talks about being sprayed in the mouth by a skunk I was just like dying laughing and she is a good friend she has since been on the podcast and you know she just is someone who is just wholeheartedly there for animals she's never made a dime off you know rescuing wildlife she just does it for pure passion so check that out for any of you who want to you know work in wildlife rehabilitation she has great insight all right episode 19 my thoughts on the teacher who fed a puppy to a snapping turtle I can't even believe that's like a headline. I completely forgot about this story. Well, uh, this was the first time I used the podcast to just express my feelings on this ridiculous story and uh, and just kind of give my thoughts. And I have since found out that these uh, these uh, these episodes are quite popular. People want to hear a, just a a take like my I guess my perspective, because I do work with these animals. I you know have snapping turtles. I educate the public. I educate students. And what are my thoughts? Like, would I feed a puppy to a snapping turtle? Uh, the answer is no. Episode 20 vet Q&A. I sat down with my vet, uh, Dr. Mike Koob from the Idaho Humane Society. The crazy thing is Dr. Koob has been our family vet since I was in diapers. Like, how old is this guy? Sorry, Dr. Koob. He's, he can't be that old. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's super cool. This is the first time we did a Q&A and you all sent in your questions. One thing I take away from this is I asked him, and I'm sorry to put my mom on blast, but I asked him like, you know, because, okay, so I'll just I'll kind of fill you guys in if you haven't listened to the episode. My mom creates these, you know, makes these elaborate diets for our dogs. She, you know, boils whole chickens and she does fresh vegetables and she shreds it and gives them all this organic food. And she slaves away in the kitchen, you know, for the dogs and gives them this and that. And I asked him, is there a difference between feeding the dogs that or just like a good quality dog food, like like a good quality kibble from a, you know, reputable brand? And he said... There is no difference, and matter of fact, that kibble is actually completely fine. If it's a good brand, it's been specially formulated and balanced for your dog. My mom has since denied that, and she's still making these elaborate diets, but I thought that's one thing I took away is like, you know, the dogs, you know, if you get a good diet, you don't need to be sitting here boiling chicken and shredding carrots, but to each its own. All right, episode 21, the Sea Turtle Second Chance Program. This was awesome. I sat down with a really passionate person. Her name was Josie from the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium. And she's just so passionate about sea turtles and the sea turtle rescue. And one thing I do take away from this is how resilient she was telling me just how sea turtles are. Like super resilient. Like she has seen turtles 
on the verge of dying and make a full comeback. And, you know, after months of rehab, just releasing them back into the ocean. And it's just such a heartfelt story. And the dedicated work that her and the team at the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium is just incredible. I have to say, I love the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium. They have always been so receptive to allow me to do interviews. They've helped me numerous times on the Today Show, which has been great. I mean, they're just super nice. They have great animal ambassadors. I love the team over there. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Beth. Love you guys to death. Hey, Henry. You guys are great. Episode 22. What is this? Special announcement. Oh my goodness. Wow. Can't believe this is episode 22. This was my very special announcement uh, of me appearing on the Megan Kelly show. Yes, guys, this is back in the day when Megan Kelly used to be an NBC employee. Uh, what comes to mind with this is I think they contacted me six days before they needed me. And I think it was for like National Zoo Lovers Day. And it was six days prior. And they're like, hey, can you come to New York? And I'm like, yeah, uh, uh, yeah absolutely. That was just thrilling. I, I have to say what makes my job in media and working with animals so fun is like every day is different. Like, I don't know if I'm going to open up my email and have a producer be like, Hey, can you come do this shoot? Or Hey, can you do this show or have a zoo say, Hey, like look what animal, like, you know, that we were able to get in our animal ambassador program. Like, do you want to work with it? Like that's what makes this job so rewarding. It's hard. And those emails, you guys, they, <laughs> a lot of times they don't come, but when they do, it's exciting. So when you get an email from a producer, like, Hey, do you want to come on national TV after years and years of working? It's phenomenal. So that was great. Megan Kelly episode 22, the Megan Kelly recap. Okay. So many people wanted me to talk about my experience with Megan Kelly. And I'll tell you what, I, I'll tell you what, she was one of the nicest people I have ever worked with on TV. She was so genuine. Her staff was great. Her audience, the studio audience was so receptive and we just clicked. She was so nice and she took pictures with me and the staff afterwards. She's super nice. And I mean, we're, I mean, whatever you think of her, like whether you love her or hate her, uh, you really do have to respect her. She is a great journalist. Unfortunately, you know, for her, the show didn't work out, but I have uh, like no, I have, I have complete faith that she's going to make a full comeback. I think she's doing a YouTube thing and a podcast thing. So, but Megan Kelly was great. So I, that's all I have to say about her. Episode 24, Strange Animals. This was so much fun. I interviewed the host of the Strange Animals podcast, Kate Shaw. And once again, this was another podcast collaboration. And I love the Strange Animals podcast. It was actually, I, you know what? I think this was like the second animal podcast I ever listened to because I was trying to find something about Bigfoot or something about the Loch Ness Monster. Like I just, I'm just fascinated with like cryptozoology and Kate's podcast came up and she came on to talk about some of her favorite cryptids and she was awesome. And I think what, what, <laughs> what sticks out to me is when she point blank says, Folks, there is no Loch Ness Monster. Like, I'm sorry, send me hate mail, do whatever you want. But I, the research shows there's no way a Loch Ness Monster could be in Loch Ness. So that's kind of what sticks out. But check it out if you're into cryptids. You would love that. Episode 25, Dinosaurs. Oh my goodness, you guys. I'm already almost a half an hour and I'm only on 25. Well, this is just going to be a special long one. This is going to be fun, you guys. So I might go over an hour, but that's fine. Episode 25, once again, back to that. Dinosaurs with Dr. Scott. This was the first celebrity I ever had on the show. 
And it was from my my uh, my buddy Matt, who I had on earlier, you know, previously, who talked about the Venomous Vipers. Him and his kids watch uh, Dinosaurs with Dr. Scott, that PBS show. And he said, you should really have Dr. Scott on the show. And I reached out and was like, I mean, is he really going to do this? And he was so nice to actually come on the show. And it was so crazy. And I think one thing, oh, you know what? One thing that sticks out was probably the dumbest question I ever asked Dr. Scott or just anyone on the podcast. I have you ever asked someone a question and you weren't thinking and then you realize like, why did I just ask him that? I asked him, how did I say it? I think I said, what dinosaur would you want to discover? Like that hasn't been discovered yet. And he was like, uh, I mean like one that hasn't been found one that hasn't been like a, like a new species. It just was like kind of a weird question. So that's what I take away from my interview with Dr. Scott. I guess one thing I did take away was learning that fossils are everywhere. Like even in our, in our own backyards. Cause I feel like a lot of people have this like misconception, like fossils are, you know, far away in these, you know, far off reaches of the world. And in reality, you could just go outside and just find fossils in your own backyard. Episode 26, Sea Lions. Oh my goodness. With our good friend Sam from the Turtleback Zoo. She is so passionate about sea lions. And by the way, we love the Turtleback Zoo. One of my favorite zoos in the country. I work with them a lot on, uh, you know, on the Today Show and doing, you know, multiple media things. And um, in New York, they actually helped me on Megan Kelly. So Sam was awesome. She is uh, taking us behind the scenes to meet her sea lions. I think one thing I did take away from this is during her interview, she mentioned she wanted to see every Every pinniped, meaning seal and sea lion, out in the wild. And she included a freshwater seal in Russia that is only endemic to Lake Baikal in Russia. And I was like, wait, what? There's a freshwater seal? So that is now officially on my bucket list. Thank you, Sam. Episode 27, Saving Vultures. I sat down with my good, good, good friend, Dr. Munir Varani from the Peregrine Fund. He is the reason why I was able to go to Africa several times. He is a, now he's the president of the Peregrine Fund. So he had just shot up since we last interviewed him. But we talk about his work, Saving Vultures and his experiences in Africa. I think what I take away, though, is his bone-chilling story about almost being attacked and killed by a male lion in Savo National Park. And to give you an idea, Savo is where the famous man-eating lions lived. And so they're notorious for eating people. Back, I think it was 100 years ago, they had the man-eating lions that, you know, killed, they say, anywhere from 30 to 100 people. And they, you know, ate them, you know, these railroad workers. So it's famous. And he was staying at the famous man-eaters camp where... A hundred years ago, these lions were eating the railway workers, railroad workers, and Munir almost was killed by a lion. And he was walking out his vehicle to get coffee, and he turned around, and there was a lion there. And thank goodness he didn't run, and he slowly backed up. And yeah, so he's still alive to this day. But that would yeah, ugh, the story just just gives me chills. Episode 28 was my first introduction to two of my favorite people in the animal podcast community, Chris and Angie from the All Creatures Podcast. And I'm, oh my goodness, we had such a fun time. And because we had such a good time, 
we decided to do uh, you know, podcasts, like more roundtable discussions, and we've just had great feedback, and we love doing it. So I can honestly say what I learned from this is that we could all really work together in the animal podcast community just for the greater good and just reach as many people as we can to fight the good fight and, uh, you know, talk about animals and, you know, conservation and get people excited on protecting them in their wild habitat. So that's what I take away from the All Creatures interview, and also we just laughed so much. So, God, they was just so much fun. Episode 29, world famous author and conservationist. This was a dream interview. I uh, landed an interview with author Carl Safina and I actually was reading Carl's book and I just reached out, I think to his his publisher or one of his, uh, just one of his PR people. And I thought it was just kind of a shot in the dark. Like, is this famous author really going to sit down and have an hour long conversation with me. And he did. And he was so into it. And you know what I really take from it. And, and, and by the way, for those of you who have not read Carl Safina's book, Beyond Words, I highly, 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 highly recommend it. Beyond Words. It just, um, you know, focuses. There's like four focal points, but there's like three animal focal points. He um, he goes to Africa to um, kind of to to be with elephants in Amboseli National Park. He does, uh, he goes and does a killer whale research. And then he also works with wolves. But I think one thing I took away from this was his time in Africa in, in um, Amboseli National Park and how he said, seeing the elephants and being there when, you know, they were poached and just, just what's going on with elephants and the poaching crisis. And he said that he will never be the same again. And, you know, I'm not trying to bring the mood down, but he just said that experience was so emotional and to see just the sentiment beings being slaughtered for their tusk was something that he'll never get over. So that is something that, um, you know, that really sticks out to me, something that he was mentioning regarding his time writing that book. Episode 30, Black Bear Release. This was so cool. I was, uh, my wife and I, I surprised her for her birthday. And well, I kind of, well, <laughs> so first of all, I have to say, I have a great relationship with Idaho Black Bear Rehab here in Boise. And each spring they take their rehabilitated bears and they release them back into the wild. And it turned out that they were going to release them in Washington. And it was around the time of my wife's birthday. And I was like, oh, great. Let's like, you know, kill two birds with one stone and let's do, you know, surprise my wife. Hey, we're going to go to Washington for your birthday. Oh, and then we're also going to release some black bears. And so what I take from this interview or from this experience was first we had so much fun. We went to, uh, where did we go? Oh, near, near Spokane and to some undisclosed forest, we were able to release these black bears. What I learned or took away from this is, um, first of all, my wife was terrified that she hates heights. She's from Michigan. She's a flatlander. And we had to literally, uh, you know, drive up this mountain and there were steep cliffs and we just went deep into the forest and she literally was crying. So what did I learn? I learned that she hates heights and, uh, you know, but it was also great to see black bears released back into the wild. We since laugh about it, but yeah, that was pretty crazy. Episode 31. This is, uh, once again, I sit down with a staff member from the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium. We had Henry on the show and it was just, you know, it was cool to talk to an old timer and Henry, I'm not, well, I guess Henry, you are old. Um, I mean, you know, let's just face it, but <laughs> it's kind of a joke, but no, he even admits he's an older guy. 
He's been in the zoo field for, let's say, 38 years. I think 39, 40 years now. And it was so cool to hear about his experiences back in the day. I think one story that really sticks out is when Henry was a midwife uh, for a giraffe. That is correct. He had no idea how to deliver a giraffe and he did it. I believe he's actually done it twice since then. I think the first time he did it with his arm broken, he had his arm in a sleeve and he was being a midwife for this giraffe. And anyway, he just really recounts this incredible story. And it really was one of the highlights of his zoo career. And yeah, so definitely check that out. I mean, it was really cool to see how things were back in the day. And Henry is still with the Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium. He's a living legend. So go check that out for those of you maybe wanting to pursue a career, you know, you know, possibly being a zoo director or a zoo curator, kind of an upper management. All right, episode 32, we had Aaron Vargo on, the self-proclaimed cheetah whisperer. I absolutely love talking to Aaron. She was so passionate. I guess she still is passionate about cheetahs. She's worked with over 70 different cheetahs, and she is so knowledgeable. And at the time, she actually was the youngest person to ever come on the show. I think she was 23 or 24 years old. And yeah, she just was just a wealth of information. And, you know, to be honest, I think what sticks out with this interview is someone who just has worked so hard to pursue their dream of working with, you know, big cats, especially cheetahs, and someone who is just so determined and won't let anything get in her way. And she just talks about, you know, having to move around the country, having to shop at Goodwill, having to, you know, be on a budget, you know, just to, you know, work her way up volunteering to work with cheetahs. And she will definitely go far. I, like I said, it's really inspirational for anyone who wants to pursue a career in the zoo field. You know, there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and a lot of sacrifices, but if you want it, and you want it bad enough, um, you have to sacrifice for it. But anyway, she's definitely going places. I also want to say that one thing that does stick out to me is, you know, she talks about cheetahs and just how genetically really they're all similar. Um, back in the day, I think it was after the last ice age, they uh, had a genetic bottleneck effect to where there was a really, really tiny population of cheetahs. And so basically now every single cheetah in the whole entire world, they're really, really closely related. I think you could take a skin graph and it would, you know, they're basically be able to work for all the cheetahs in the world. So they are, uh, yeah, so they're really genetically similar. And unf that's really unfortunate for the species because it really doesn't have that genetic variation but definitely go check that out if you are interested in cheetahs you want to learn more or if you want to know what it's like kind of pursuing a career working in the zoo field all right, episode 33 was titled Wild Beats. It's where I had on Ben Mirren, and this guy was just really interesting. He is a sound artist and educator. He had, I think he still has a show on Nat Geo, but basically he's a beatboxer who beatboxes to animal sounds. It sounds crazy, right? But he travels the world to record these sounds, and I think what I really, I guess, kind of take from this is he was talking about being in Madagascar and recording with lemurs, and it was really amazing just to hear kind of those experiences and it, it was kind of, it was interesting to talk to a guy who literally was like the first of its, of the first of his kind. Like, you know, for me, like I want to, you know, I love working with animals. I want to be on TV. I love it. Like, and I, you know, look up to someone like Jack Hanna or Steve Irwin for this guy, Ben, it's like, I mean, who does he look up to? There's no one like he literally is a one of a kind, like a wildlife beatboxer. And so anyway, that's something that really stuck out a uh, really nice guy. 
episode 34 was Wildlife Rockstars. It's where I had on John, and this was such a unique organization to highlight. It's one of a kind in North America, and basically Wildlife Rockstars is a program for people who have had traumatic brain injuries, and they use educational animal ambassadors to help the people in the program. And it's, you know, it's just amazing some of the stories John recounts of these people who've had these traumatic brain injuries and to see them work with animals that really just turns their life around and they're able to educate the public and in turn, they just feel like wildlife rock stars. And it's just really touching a lot of great stories there where they're using wildlife just to help people. Another thing I do remember that this kind of sticks out with John is he actually has helped out on numerous you know TV shows in New York, including Conan O'Brien back in the day with animal expert Jared Miller. And I remember he was talking about some of the animals escaping on set with Conan and just a lot of uh, really fun memories, I guess, just you know him kind of going over what it was like back in the day filming. Episode 35, Wildlife Q&A. This was one of those on-location podcast features. I don't do them very often, and I absolutely loved it. It was summertime. I went over and had on again. This is my first reoccurring guest, but I had on Mady from Animals and Distress Association in Boise, Idaho. We just talked about native wildlife because she specializes in raccoons and bats and badgers and foxes and a bunch of fun stuff. And we just sat around her pond and had a couple beers. For me, probably way too many. That's why I never have beers anymore before. I record podcasts, but it was a fun time. It was a summertime just hanging out with her. There's a lot of great wildlife information in there, especially for those of you living in North America. You know, we do have a lot of species here and, you know, we have a lot of animals, exotic animals in our backyard. So she gives a lot of awesome pointers there. Episode 36, Carnivore Keeper Chat with my good friend Erin. She's a curator at the Turtleback Zoo. Erin has a lot of experience uh, working with big cats, actually. She worked at the Bronx Zoo with tigers, and then now she's over at the Turtleback Zoo where they have a magnificent cat collection and she just kind of goes over some stories working with and training tigers it's really eye-opening once again for anyone wanting to work with big cats in the zoo field episode 36 carnivore keeper chat is for you episode 37 wild eye with my friend jerry vandervolt the co-founder of wild eye and he also has a podcast a wildlife photography podcast one of the first wildlife shows or podcasts I guess I ever listened to and Jerry was so much fun you know sometimes when you have these interviews you just you can you can click with the guest or you can like really click and I feel like Jerry and I would definitely be buddies if we didn't live you know across the world he's in South Africa I'm in Idaho but Jerry's so cool and he just recounts being a safari guide we relive what that's like I think the funniest story I remember asking Jerry like have you ever you know taken guests on a safari and just had a dull dud of like a safari like you don't see anything not even like antelope and by the way I'm not hating on all my antelope people I know that's like super exciting but it's like you know imagine a safari where you don't even see antelope it's just nothing and he recalls this time that they couldn't find anything and Jerry was like starting to talk about the soil and the plants and just trying to dig deep and you know like what can I talk to my guest about because there isn't any wildlife and so that's something I definitely remember um you know kind of Jerry recounting another interesting thing you know talking to Jerry I think I recount just his world travels you know he's been all over the world and he's a photographer and I think one of the things that I really take away from this interview is what people expect when they go to Africa 
And, you know, you know I, I guess a lot of people have these high expectations. And I feel like sometimes people don't realize the behind the scenes or, you know, people have those expectations so high. For instance, when I went to Africa, I didn't realize that there'd also be other safari vehicles everywhere. I mean, that's something you don't see on National Geographic. Or, you know, we also talk about the reality of seeing a kill because some guests go to Africa and they're like, oh my goodness, I want to see a kill. And then when they actually see a kill, it's, um, you know, you don't have all the fancy, you know, music and the edited content that you see on Nat Geo. It's, it's real and nature's raw. And, you know, he definitely talks about that. Episode 38 special announcements. Once again, this was a Today Show announcement. I was heading back to go hang out with my two buddies, Kathy Lee and Hoda with special guest co-host A-Rod. Yeah, that was definitely interesting. Episode 39, Today Show Recap. Oh my goodness, this was, uh, you know, one of those pinch yourself moments. I, you know, just working on the Today Show, you really never know who you're going to work with or who you're going to run into. It's, you know, they have celebrities and experts and this and that. And because A-Rod was special co-hosting, the surprise guest on the side was none other than Jennifer Lopez. You guys, it was insane. Like, it, you know, paparazzi was everywhere. She had the biggest bodyguard I've ever seen in my entire life. And I remember she sat in a director-style chair next to her mom. And literally, I was like 15, uh, you know, 15, 20 feet away doing a live animal segment with A-Rod, Kathy Lee and Hoda, and Jennifer Lopez was watching me on a monitor. And there's a picture of it. And it's like, what? Like, I, I'm like, wait, what? Like, I'm doing a reptile, an animal, I guess it wasn't just reptiles, but an animal demonstration in front of Jennifer Lopez. Like, I know she's just a human, but she's like a massive celebrity. So that was really, really cool. And her mom was super nice. All right, episode 40, the trophy hunting debate. I sat down with Chris and Angie from the All Creatures podcast, and this was a really controversial one. A lot of people listened to it. We got a lot of input on Facebook. Once again, I asked you what your thoughts were. We learned a lot. Uh, the number one thing I take away, though, from this is that through research, well, first of all, we, we did a scientific approach, quote unquote, so we tried to not let our emotion show. I'm going to be honest, though, and you can hear it during the interview. I think trophy hunting sucks, and I don't. I don't like it. We took a scientific approach and to look at the data. And to this day, the data shows that trophy hunting does not increase an animal's population. The numbers don't go up. So until that happens or until we could say, hey, trophy hunting is helping for conservation. The animal's numbers are increasing. We haven't seen that yet. So we will revisit trophy hunting. I guess uh, pretty soon I've been in talks with Chris. So as we get into 2020, we will be doing another roundtable discussion and we'll look at new research to see if it does help with conservation. I think it's crap though. And episode 41, we, oh, this was really cool. Elephants with Dr. Cynthia Moss. And she is like the Oh, one of the world's top, 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 top elephant researchers. She is just so incredibly knowledgeable. She has an incredible reputation and to be able to just, just to be able to sit down with her for an hour to have her take the time. This is like just the mother of elephants. It was so cool to talk to her and she talks about these family groups and these elephants are her life and I took away just her passion. I mean, she said that she is still gonna be out there with the elephants and e even if she has a walker, if she's out there in a walker, they joke, she is still gonna be there. She doesn't wanna retire. That's her passion. I also take away that, you know, we lose, I think a little over 100 elephants a day to poaching. She still is 
in high spirits and she's, you know, she's still positive. And to be honest, if I have been studying elephants, I think she's been doing it for 30, 40 years. I, I, I don't know. I think I would be a, probably a harder, colder person just regarding seeing all these elephants, you know, being slaughtered for their tusks, but she has a positive outlook and she has a great team. And so there's hope. So that's something I did take away with Dr. Cynthia Moss. That is one of the most listened to episodes, by the way. So if you're a scientist, biologist, check that out. Let's see. Episode 42. Oh, wild cats. This is, oh my goodness. This is when I interviewed Marion Holmes from the Cat Conservation Trust in South Africa. What did I learn after this? This was crazy. What I learned is the African wild cat, which is only like three pounds, is the most ferocious cat in the animal kingdom. Like, she said, hands down, this tiny little fur ball is so aggressive and you could barely get into their enclosures to clean. And she said, we are lucky that they're only a few pounds because if they were the size of a leopard, we would be in big trouble. So that's, that's one thing I took away from uh, the wildcat episode. Episode 43, the Urban Caracal Project. This is a project, uh, you know, once again, based in South Africa. Well, it looks like I was kind of, uh, kind of cat heavy there for a second, which is cool. I love cats. This is where I talked to Dr. Laurel Cyrus. I think I said that right. And she is the founder of the Urban Caracal Project. And what I took away from this, first of all, is how amazing she is to, she, she's a complete trendsetter. She moved to South Africa without even having a job. And she just created the Urban Caracal Project to track these wild cats in South Africa and see how they're doing with human populations. I think I learned with caracals. And if you don't know what caracals look like, they, they look like a lynx almost. They have like the tufts of hair. I believe they're around the same size of a lynx. They're really powerful cats. They're actually tan. And uh, anyway, but they're powerful cats that can bring down animals like six, seven times their size. So I also learned that there's a problem with these caracals eating people's cats and dogs in South Africa. Like they, they actively take them, which is kind of, it blows your mind because when I think of caracals, I think of them out in the African savannah hunting, I don't know, you know, small gazelles or hares. You don't think of them in an urban environment and they are there and they are, you know, as of yet, or, you know, what we know, they are thriving. So that's something I, I learned and I took away. Episode 44, the infamous number one most listened to episode of Animals to the Max is Biology, Botany, and a Botfly. That is right. That last one, that last word, botfly, apparently is a great, um, I guess, a great keyword because people just want to learn about botflies and what happens when they uh, basically eat you alive. And so I had on an undergrad, Richard Rackman. Uh, at, he was a researcher at California State University. He came back from Ecuador with a botfly. So the larva literally... It literally, um, it, it, it lives inside you and it eats, it, it eats you alive and it's incredibly painful and he just talks about it. And I, ugh, I, I was going to say, if you have a weak stomach, don't do this. But if you're fine, you like gross things, Google botfly and you'll see them coming out of people's heads and legs. This one was actually in Richard's back, but they basically live and eat your insides and then they become a cocoon, a cocoon inside of you. And then they pop out of your skin like a zit and blech, 
my goodness, I'm just grossed out thinking about this. Anyway, Richard, uh, he relives the account of being eaten alive by a botfly. Check that out. Once again, the number one highest rated episode. What I did take away from this is Richard did not blame the botfly. Matter of fact, he liked the botfly and he was trying to, he was hoping that it would actually turn into a botfly, but the cocoon never hatched. I think the temperatures, the dry temperatures, he was in Arizona at the time, were just too harsh. But yeah, check that out. Episode 45. My goodness, we're at 50 minutes or so. We're only half, we're not even halfway done. This is fun though. Hopefully you're enjoying this. I'm just, it's kind of cool, like reliving this for me personally. So anyway, uh, episode 45, Joe D'Angeli, the Batman, this guy, Okay, at the time of recording, the funniest person I have ever had on the podcast. I was dying laughing. Joe has been working with bats and he's been a wildlife educator in New Jersey for 25, 30 years. He, um, you know, has the Bat Conservation Center in New York. Right when we were talking, he was gearing up to give the presentation of his life at the Natural History Museum in New York City. And we just talk about him presenting animals and oh, he was just so funny. And then um, I think one funny story I, I, I took away from Joe is we were talking about working with animals in the media and how he did this show. I think it was on like, uh, I don't think it was animal planet. It, it was, it was like a sci-fi network. One of those shows, or excuse me, one of those networks. And he told all of his family all the way to Texas, like, Hey, I'm going to be on TV. I'm talking about bats. And then he, they tuned in and they cut Joe completely, out, completely out of the program. And it was just, it was, <laughs> it was, I'm not laughing because he got cut out. I'm laughing because the way Joe explained it and just laughed at himself, it was just so funny. And it's so true, like how TV can work. So Joe, was just hilarious and um one thing oh oh this was so cool is he recorded with fruit bats in the background like in the bat cave he was in a bat cave with fruit bats in new jersey at his education center and you could hear them in the background and that was the first time anyone recorded with an animal so props to you joe you are awesome Episode 46, we had uh, penguins and elephant seals. This was so cool. I had uh, this gal named Camille on, and she was uh, she's kind of finishing up her PhD work, but she uh, has been to Antarctica, in particular uh, South Georgia Island, where she's studying elephant seals and penguins. And just to talk to somebody in Antarctica was just it was, it was just crazy. Like I've always wanted to talk to someone who's lived there for months and being so isolated. And I think what I learned is that this is the first time I talked to someone who's actually been there. And, you know, I was like, tell me like, how are the penguins? Cause you know, when you, when you think about penguins, you think of that epic scene from March of the penguins where like all the penguins are there in the colony and it's beautiful and there's music and the, the cinematography is out of this world. And I said, tell me what was that like in person? And she was like, it stunk. It was disgusting. The smell was horrendous. And I, <laughs> I was like, what? Like, it's so funny. Like, I was like, wow, this is like why I like doing the show. This is why I, this is why I like animals to the max. Cause it's like, you get a behind the scenes. Look at what it was like. Like, yeah, it's incredible with the penguins, but my God, they stink. Episode. Let's see. Oh my goodness. Episode 47, 10 fascinating facts about the redwoods. Oh, this was so cool. This is when my wife and I went down to Crescent city in California and oh my goodness we went to go visit the redwood forest and it was our first time there and it was just like just it was just like living dinosaurs it just it just blew my mind one thing I took away was and this is like so depressing but I think like the redwoods there are only I mean 
like they have lost like 97% of their historic habitat. Like they are just, it, 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 it just blows my mind. We completely wiped them out and they're only in these parks now. And it's just like, thank goodness we have these parks because I want to be able to take my kids there one day. Like I said, it was just like seeing a living dinosaur. One thing I did learn like I guess another thing and check it out because there's like 10 facts but all of these are I, there's only a few that are coming to me right now is that the big redwoods you know for me I you know when I went to the forest we went to Jedediah State Park uh, Jedediah Redwood State Park I saw these big redwoods and I was like oh my goodness these must be hundreds and hundreds of years old but in reality they were saying that they're probably only around 60 70 80 years old they weren't as old as I had imagined and yeah that is something I did learn regarding the trees that redwoods they actually kind of grow pretty fast okay episode 48 best of one year anniversary show what comes to mind is dear god why did i ever do this this was a nightmare i <laughs> thought it would be such a great idea to compile some fun highlights of every single episode of 48 episodes or yeah of 47 episodes i did go through each episode listen through over 47 hours of shows re-download them put them in an editing program and clip out like a few minutes of each show and it turned into a nightmare because it took me a few weeks to just do and then as i was uploading it trying to compress it and send it as an mp3 i lost everything i had to start over i wanted to pull my eyes out it was actually no pull my hair and stab my eyes out i'm sorry that's graphic but it was just was so frustrated i'm getting anxiety thinking about it so i told myself i would never do an anniversary show again and i would never do that because it was just the editing was just horrendous and i just lost everything and then i thought oh maybe i'll maybe i'll wait a year and see if i'm up to you know maybe doing another highlight show and the answer is still no there's no way so this is a lot <laughs> sorry you guys it just was it was a lot so <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah so uh check that out if you want the best of season one because i'll never do one of those again but this is a lot better for me because i'm able just to talk into a microphone and recap and relive without having to snip and you know edit and cut and put the show together so that's what i take out of the best of one year show i don't want to um you know i i, I would like to encourage you to listen to it though because it's cool it's like fun clips i think of the best of you know whatever shows the 47 shows i had recorded it just was a lot of work putting it together episode 49 oh boy this was a fun one dr doolittle okay so this is when we had dr doolittle val hart on the show she's a famous speaker she you know goes around and she is her job is to be dr doolittle she talks to animals what i learned is uh val hart she talks to lobsters yeah i uh my goodness val yeah she talks to lobsters and I, okay, I'm going to be honest. This is me being so true. It was so hard to keep a straight face because I, I just, the way that she was going into it and the way she was talking about talking to lobsters in the tank, I was biting my cheeks like Corbin, do not laugh. Now I'm not laughing at the fact like Val, you are, you know, you're an animal communicator. I respect you, but it was just the lobsters and the way you talked about them in the tank. And it was just like, oh my goodness, what? It was interesting. Uh, she did, you know, talk to my dog, Zoe. I wish I would have asked her a better question. I think I asked her, what did I say? Like, can we get another dog with Zoe? And she was like, oh, you know, wait till she gets older. And anyway, so I wish I would have asked Zoe or asked Dr. Doolittle a better question. 
With that said, I have to say, though, I respect Val and I appreciate her coming on the show. Episode 50 was a 2018 recap. Once again, I go over the highlights of 2018. And yeah, I enjoyed doing that because kind of what I'm doing now, just blabbing into a microphone. I went through my phone and went through photos and kind of went through some fun memories. So check that out if you'd like. Episode 51, Ozzy Keeper Chat. What up, mate? Well, they don't say what up in Aussie, but this was cool. I had Brandon and Dan on the show from the Australian Reptile Park. This was uh, the first time I found somebody through, I think it was the first time, I found somebody through Instagram. And I reached out and said, would you like to come on the show? They both have pretty decent followings on Instagram and work with reptiles at the park. And they did. They wanted to come on the show. And we talk about a variety of different things. One thing that stuck out to me is, you know, they were talking about working at the Australia Zoo and working with Terry and Bindi and Robert. And what I learned you know, so I, I had no idea how the Irwins were. I didn't know if, you know, they were, you know, when I, I didn't know if Terry, you know, Bendy and Robert were there when the cameras were there, you know, filming and, you know, making it look like they're really working at the zoo and then off doing other PR stuff. I, I, I really didn't know how they were. And I talked to Dan and Brandon. And they said, no, they are like truly cameras or not. They are there, you know, working. They're at the, you know, at the zoo. They're checking in with keepers, having, cons you know, conversations. And I remember Dan telling me about having a conversation with Terry Irwin about frogs and he was like it was one of those pinch yourself moments like how am I talking to Terry Irwin about frogs it was just him and Terry so I thought that was really cool you know I've always respected the Irwins but that made me really respect them a lot more kind of like that's great that they're you know really there on the front line and they do so much wildlife conservation so that was really really neat episode 52 Marco Shea the legend this was a big celebrity booking for me mark o'shea of course had his show o'shea's big adventures on animal planet and this was the first time i had a big animal planet star on the show and mark was awesome i actually think i think we went over let me look at my details here this is oh my goodness mark's interviews oh oh my goodness it's two hours and one minute so yeah he's one of the one of the longest interviews he was awesome and he just relives his childhood. He talks about being nearly killed by a cobra, which is just insane. He talks about this out-of-body experience where he, you know, after he was bit by this snake, and actually this was this was a rattlesnake. So he had been bit by the cobra after this, but he had been bit by a rattlesnake and he thought he was going to die. He goes in the hospital and said he had this uh, out-of-body experience where he was looking down on himself. And he just talks about that. And I plan on never getting bit by a venomous snake knock on wood. I just, I have no interest really in working with them. It's just not my thing. So to talk to someone like, Hey, what is that like being bit by a rattlesnake? What is it like almost dying? How about, you know, being bit by a eight foot, nine foot cobra. So it was cool to talk to Mark about that. He also, this is crazy. He, you know, being a celebrity, he talks, it was really weird. He talks about, you know, reading about his own death, like on, I think he was on a plane and he read in the newspaper that he had died and which is really weird. It'd be really weird to read, you know, like to pick up the paper and then see your own obituary. He also talks about Steve Irwin and having respect for him. Another thing, I'm sorry, I'm like talking about Mark, but this was cool for me because at the time of recording this, there weren't, there wasn't really anyone else I, I have talked to who's had a successful TV career, like let's say on Animal Planet. I've since have had multiple guests, but the Mark was my first one. And it was interesting because I asked him, you know, if they had tried to change him to become someone that he wasn't and if they allowed him to be authentically who he was. Because I'll tell you what, 
I'm just being, you know, upfront in the, in, in the entertainment industry, there's going to be a million people trying to change you to say, be like this. You need to act a certain way. Oh, be more like Steve Irwin. And Mark said that he always stuck to his guns and he was authentic. He was real. He never refilmed anything. And he said he was never jealous of Steve Irwin. He never wanted to create a show like Steve Irwin. That wasn't his style. He loved Steve's show. He loved his show and he was authentic and true to himself, which I truly, truly, truly think is the key to having a successful show. So I take that. Yeah. Awesome episode. Mark O'Shea episode 52. Let's see. Episode 53. Today's show announcement. This was on with uh, Kathy Lee and Hoda. Sorry, guys. I know it seems like we have a million of these, but uh, you know, I, I, you know, the, the reason why I love doing these announcements and talking about it and getting it out there is because for so many years, I dreamed of being on the Today Show. It was like my dream for so long. And I, you know, traveled the country and did so many local TV shows and public access shows for years before the show would even consider having me on. So every time I'm on, even now, um, we're nearing well over 30 appearances. I still get excited like it's the first time. And I, cause I'm just appreciative. I know what it's like to work hard and to just, I, I know that each opportunity to be a spokesperson for wildlife in front of a few million people is a serious gift and a blessing. And I just love it. So that's why if you scroll through the podcast, I do have several today's show announcements, but yeah, I get excited every time. And this was, I'm looking at, let's see that, uh, that, that recap, I guess we'll just go into episode 54, the today show recap. We did winter animals on the today show. So we did a, uh, we did a Fox, we did a coyote. I did, we do a Fox, a coyote, and an owl, a Eurasian eagle owl. Ooh, I know what I take away from this one. I once again made my wife mad and my producer and I asked her to hold this owl on live TV and she was so nervous. She doesn't like cameras and she was so bad at me afterwards. And I remember my producer and I were laughing so hard because we were like, oh, this is so funny. And, you know, and she was comfortable with the owl, but just not being in front of people. And that's something she was like, don't ever do that to me again. And I said, okay, babe, I promise that's fine. I'll be the one on TV. I gotcha. Okay, episode 55, Zookeeper Rick. He is, uh, oh, this guy was so cool. He was from, uh, well, he still is from the San Diego Zoo and Safari Park. He is their spokesperson. He has my dream job. I mean, I think he has everyone's dream job. I mean, are you kidding me to be paid to be a spokesperson, to go around and talk about wildlife and to educate people and then go to these TV shows like sign me up. So this was, this was so cool talking to Rick. Cause I was genuine, genuinely interested in how he was able to land such a coveted position. And I feel like a lot of people responded to this interview well, because a lot of people are like, yeah, like, how do you do that? Like, tell us your story. That's why I love the show. I love the journey. Like, tell me, I mean, because, and you'll learn by listening to these interviews, it's not a direct path. There's so many side paths and, you know, little alleys you have to take. And, you know, there's places, you know, where the roads cross and you're like, oh, should I go that path or, you know, this and that, but it all ends up where you're supposed to be. And that's what I loved learning about Zookeeper Rick. You know, this was the first time I really realized, and, you know, Rick is the one who told me this. I, I think he said it off camera. He was talking about how we all as you know, an animal community, an animal talent community, we all need to work and help each other out. And I really love that because 
you know, I, I'm going to be honest, you know, sometimes there is a sense of a little bit of competition because there are a few of us out there who work with animals on TV. We all want to have TV shows. Rick has since done a show on Animal Planet, which is a phenomenal show, The Zoo, San Diego. Check it out. Sometimes it can feel competitive, like, oh, you know, this person has this many followers, or oh, oh my goodness, they got to go on that show, or oh, he's working with that animal. And it was really cool to talk to Rick, and it's like, you know what? No, it shouldn't be a competition. We all should work together and help each other out. And I love that about Rick. And I'm still talking to him about bringing a koala on the Today Show. So Rick, I'm going to text you soon, buddy. All right, episode 56, we had Challenger the Bald Eagle on the show. This was the nation's first free-flying bald eagle during the national anthem um, for, you know, like, uh, you know, football games, baseball games. And he's been doing it for so many years, over 30 years. His name's Challenger. And the awesome thing about this interview is his trainer, Laura Sturburns, actually came on the show with Challengers and had Challenger, the bald eagle, on a glove during the full interview. So during the full hour interview, she has this bald eagle and she is just holding Challenger like a boss. And Challenger, you could hear him make, you know, various noises throughout the interview. Bald eagles are actually pretty vocal. So that was just awesome. Probably my favorite interview regarding the visual because it was so cool just staring at a bald eagle. And it was funny because I was like, Laura, I'm so sorry. Like I should be looking at you, but I'm like looking at the bald eagle. Another fun fact, I guess I learned during the show is that bald eagles are actually pretty good swimmers. So, hey, take that. Episode 57, this is one I wanted to do for a really long time. I want, you know, for some reason, so I grew up in the mountains of Southern Idaho and Roby Creek. I have always just been fascinated with Sasquatch. I mean, I grew up isolated in the mountains and I'm going to be honest, when I was a kid, I tried to find Sasquatch. Wow, I cannot believe I just said that publicly. Well, I just did an hour in, so there you go. So I wanted to do, you know, have, you know, feature someone on the show who was credible. And I didn't want to just get some ho-dunk who's like, I've seen Sasquatch in the woods. I wanted someone credible. And that's why I brought on the show Dr. Jeff Meldrum. I think what gives Dr. Meldrum such credibility is that he is an anthropologist and he is a professor at Idaho State University. Like, he's not just some, and please Bigfoot people don't take this to heart, but he's not some wacko out in the forest, you know, that's like, hey, Darla, I found a Bigfoot. Like he's legit. And he has me convinced. I mean, and it was, I think, I I guess what I learned during this interview is the estimated population of Bigfoots, he said, is around a few thousand in the Pacific Northwest. And his stories are very compelling. And I learned that it's good to keep an open mind. I've always wanted to believe in Bigfoot and to talk to an expert who is so passionate and who is like, no, this is 100% accurate. There is a hominid in the Pacific Northwest, you know, walking around on two feet. Like there's evidence. It's all around us. Really, really blew my mind. I also think, uh, I guess not what I keep on saying, I think what I learned is the Patterson footage the uh, you know that in 1968 I believe that footage of Bigfoot crossing that creek and you know near that creek in California it's like the only real footage. A lot of people thought it was a hoax, but Jeff is 100% convinced that that is in fact a real Sasquatch, a real female, and he has a picture of her behind her in his office. So cool interview. Check that out. Episode 57. Episode 58. Well, this is ironic. I had <laughs> I had searching for Sasquatch and then 58 I had mountain gorillas. 
Wow. Okay. Um, I did not plan that. Uh, but so yeah, so episode 58, Saving Mountain Gorillas, I had on Dr. Tara Stowinski, the chief scientist and CEO of the Diane Fossey Gorilla Fund. This was a dream come true interview. It was just, oh my goodness. It was amazing to talk to her. Uh, you know, I'm going to be honest, what I learned, I didn't realize there was only a few hundred of these mountain gorillas left in the wild. I think there's only like five or 600 left, like in the world. Like what? I just, it just, it just blows my mind. And, you know, they're only found in this small portion kind of in Central Africa. And so, you know, I, 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 I learned that and I learned about what it was like, you know, trekking in Rwanda to go see them. And just, yeah, it is a, probably the number one on my bucket list, I think animal wise is to go trek and go see mountain gorillas. I think everyone should do it. And I think I need to do it because I've never have. So yeah, that is definitely something I want to do that. Episode 59. This is when we had the infamous Dr. Lori Marker from the Cheetah Conservation Fund. She is the mother of all cheetahs and she has, you know, she has just risked her life and reputation and dedicated everything um, to cheetahs. And she has really, what I learned during this is how you know, instead of completely going anti-farmer, anti, you know, people who kill cheetahs because they think they're preying on livestock, I love how she worked with the with the farmers in the community and developed a program where they have these shepherds, the Angolian shepherds that they train and give to farmers to protect their livestock from cheetahs. And it has like a 90% success rate in preventing the cheetahs from eating livestock, having these dogs. So that is what I learned is that this is a great conservation success story. The cheetah numbers are not, you know, drastically, you know, increasing. There are still less than 7,000 wild cheetahs left in the wild, which is like, yeah crazy blows my mind but it was great uh it was great to see what the cheetah conservation fund is doing in the front line helping these wild cheetahs and how dogs are helping too all right episode 60 today's show details what one is this one uh oh oh man this was sad uh this was for kathy lee's goodbye animal segment it was an honor to be asked to do the last animal segment on the today show with kathy lee gifford and i was so excited i teamed up with my great friend fung lu from animal behavior and conservation connections he is the world's best bird trainer and it was great and let me just go into episode 61 the today show recap kathy lee's goodbye segment we had a cockatoo fly kathy lee a rose we had a flock of sun conyers fly on um joel McKell, that comedian he's like super tall super tall guy uh that's just kind of what i remember him and uh, we had these conyers fly on him like a tree we had this hornbill fly into the shot and it scared the living crap out of hoda it was just such an awesome, fun, goodbye segment. Uh, what I learned is how genuine Kathy Lee was and how she's always been. She's always been super nice to me. And I, I just always appreciate that. And I would hope, hopefully, fingers crossed, I will meet up with her again. Episode 62. Ooh, it's a controversial one. And that's why I enlisted my friends, Chris and Angie, once again, from the All Creatures podcast. Uh, we did an episode on why zoos matter and we just looked at the stats and I'll tell you what, it's a really good episode. It's a good one for anyone who is anti-zoo or anyone who's pro-zoo. And it's good to know like what's going on and how zoos are really helping wild animals. I think what I've always known about zoos is, and what a lot of people don't know, what I take away from this is how much money zoos are giving for conservation. Like, I mean, I think since I want to say... 
Over almost a quarter of a billion dollars, if not more to date, has been donated to from accredited zoos to conservation organizations. Like a quarter of a billion, a billion with a B, that is just going to protect wild animals and wild habitats. So as you're visiting an accredited zoo, you're actively helping wildlife conservation. It blows my mind. Zoos they don't give a lot of, they don't get a lot of credit. I feel like they get a lot more. Um, I feel like they get like, a, like just like a lot of hate from a lot of people who are like, Oh, it's awful. But zoos are really helpful. And I'll tell you what, sorry, I'm on, I'm on this big tangent. They are the number one recreational activity in the United States. So more people go to zoos and go to NFL games combined. And, and I'm not saying, you know, that everyone hates zoos because a lot of people love zoos. I feel like there's more people that love them that dislike them, but it's good to address some of the stereotypes of people who are anti-zoo it's good to to talk about you know those statements and to dissect them and look at the research and look at the conservation and look at the money going in protecting animals so as you can tell i was passionate about that one check that out episode 62 all right episode 63 mia and the white lion okay you guys this was really cool this is when i started feeling like the podcast had gained uh, gained traction because we were actually reached out from the PR people of this major motion picture, me and the white lion to have the actress and the lion trainer, the famous lion trainer, the lion whisperer on the show. And it was so cool. Like they reached out and they were like, Hey, here's a press packet. Could they please be guests? And it was like, uh, yeah, of course you could be a guest on the show. So I interviewed the actress, uh, Dania D Villers. I think that's her name. And she plays Mia and the White Lion. And it was so cool because they sent my wife and I this special code. So there's like this website you go to and you type in this special code to access a movie before it hits theaters. And I'd always wondered like what that was like. Because, you know, celebrities are able to view movies before they come out and talk show hosts do it all the time. So I was like, how do they watch it without without it getting leaked? And that's how you do it. So my wife and I watched it on bed on a Sunday morning. It was such a good movie. Check it out, Me and the White Lion. But I learned uh, just how dedicated this young actress was and she really did have a relationship with that lion. And let's kind of, that. it's a great segue into episode 64, the famous lion whisperer, Kevin Richardson. He is a guy I'm sure you've seen on YouTube or Facebook. His stuff has just gone viral. He has over like a million followers on Instagram. Super nice guy of him working with lions, like hands on. He like wears the GoPro and he's part of their pride. And it just, yeah, blew my mind, you know, talking to him about these relationships he has with these lions. And yeah, so check that out, especially for an animal trainer or want to work with big cats. He has a lot of great insight um, working with lions and also hyenas, kind of what their societies are like. Episode 65, the grizzly guy, Casey Anderson. He is the host of multiple Nat Geo programs, animal planet programs. He lives in Montana. He's an outdoors guy. And we, I, I think one thing, uh, the big thing that, that, that I take away from this interview is first of all, his relationship with a bear. Like it is insane. This guy has a relationship with this grizzly bear Brutus, I believe. Yep. Grizzly bear Brutus. And he literally like raised this orphan cub. And now this, you know, 600, 700 pound bear is his best friend and they take walks in the wilderness and it's just crazy. So yeah, yeah. Once again, he does GoPro stuff too. So it was amazing, this relationship. He also recounts almost being killed by a grizzly bear, having a mother with cubs charge him. And he actually has that on film and he uses bear spray. And what I learned during that interview was don't 
run. Episode 66, Gorilla Heroes. Oh, this is such a good heartwarming story. This is when we had the youngest guest ever on our show. This is to date. We have Addie and she is the founder of Gorilla Heroes and she is an 11 year old in Washington DC who is so passionate about saving and raising awareness about the endangered, critically endangered mountain gorilla. And she was so well-spoken and she's making a difference. She has done, I think she's done two galas raising money for gorillas and she is going places. This is someone who is going places. She is going to be like the next, you know, Diane Fossey or Jane Goodall. She is just, it's so cool having someone young be so passionate. So go Addy, go Addy. So cool. Episode 67. Ah, Oh my goodness. Okay. I have to admit you guys, I'm still starstruck. I can't believe this interview happened, but this is when I interviewed my hero, Jack Hanna. Wow. I uh, just took it, just had to take a deep breath there. I just can't believe that happened. That was a pinch me self, you know, pinch myself moment. It was one of those, like I am talking to my childhood hero. I am looking uh, in my office. I still haven't taken them out of my office are these VHS tapes I used to get when I was a kid of Jack Hanna zoo life videos. And I showed Jack and I talked to him and it was so crazy. And I got to ask him everything. And, uh, you know, one thing I took away is Jack was only supposed to be on for 30 minutes. And then he was like, he told his PR people, he was like, Hey, this guy has good questions. I want to be on longer. So the interview is an hour and, Oh, it's just so cool. I get to talk to Jack and, Wow, I just can't believe that happened. Uh, one thing I learned is Jack has never been to Madagascar, which is kind of shocking, or the Seychelles Islands. So I actually have one up on Jack Hanna. I haven't been to Madagascar, but the Seychelles I have. So Jack, you have to do it. You have to do it, buddy. But uh, oh, so appreciative. I would love to meet Jack in person one day. Hopefully that would happen. Okay, let's see here. Episode 68, some exciting news. I don't know what that is. Let me see. Oh, here it is. Episode 68. It is, uh, I talk about an interesting, uh, thing that we did on a TV show, a kid's TV show called Wonderama with host David Osmond, famous, of course, from the Osmond family. And I relive talking about uh, eating an insect smoothie. That was fun. Eating a blended up cricket and millworm smoothie with David. The Wonderama, it's an awesome kids TV show. If you haven't heard of it, please Google it. It is uh, syndicated in over a hundred different stations. So it's on various stations around the country. It's a kid show. We film it in front of a live audience full of kids in New York. We bring on some animal ambassadors. I think that show we had on an anteater who ate that insect smoothie, a penguin, a boa. Oh, it was just so cool. Oh, and we had a sloth, Albert Einstein, the sloth. But first time working with David and what a great guy. Like what an awesome guy. And him and I are actually friends. Like he'll text me every now and then. And it's kind of like, it's like weird. It's like, oh, this is like one of the Osmonds. Like I hope I don't accidentally butt dial him. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I'm cleaning the animals and cleaning up poop and accidentally call one of them. But David's cool. And hopefully him and his kids and his uh, wife come to see the animals soon. Let's see. I also talk about today's show recap. My goodness. Oh, this was super, super cool. It is a, what, when was this? Let's see, episode at highlight of a recent trip. Oh, this is an awesome appearance. This was actually my last, this is my latest appearance on the Today Show. This was a milestone appearance, a milestone appearance. And uh, that's episode 69, the Today Show recap. It's when I got to work with a cheetah cub on the Today Show. 
Her name is Nandi. She was on with her puppy companion, Bowie. We also had false gharials, which are a crocodilian with a slender snout. We also had a penguin. Folks, this was a dream segment. I've always wanted to work with the cheetah and you know, I just, this was a dream come true and it took a lot of work. There's a lot of behind the scenes work. It was hard to get permits. It was hard to organize and, you know, make sure everything was nice and smooth and to make sure Nandi was comfortable and she was, and it was phenomenal. So check that out. You can, and by the way, you can watch all of my Today Show appearances. You can see these amazing animals by going to corpamaxi.com. Just click on in the media and they're all in chronological order, but that was great. I love that appearance, and that was with my friends from the Turtleback Zoo. Episode 70. Okay, you guys, we're almost there. An hour and 20-something in, we're almost there, you guys. Episode 70, the large carnivore scientist, Dr. Nick Pilfold from the San Diego Zoo. This guy was cool. I mean, talk about a cool guy who has an awesome job. What I take away from this is how big polar bear paws are. Like it blew my mind. There's a photo and you can go on my Instagram or actually go to Nick's Instagram. His Instagram handle is a life of a carnivore biologist, but his hand is literally uh, pressed against a polar bear's paws. And it's just amazing. Like these paws are bigger than dinner plates. It's just crazy. But he talks about his research with polar bears and, and also another amazing animal, black leopards. His team was the first team to scientifically document black leopards or black panthers in Kenya in over a hundred years. So locals have known that they're there, you know, for many years, but no one had scientifically caught them on a camera trap. Nick did that. His team did that. And it was cool to talk to him about that experience and like, what was that like? Like, you know, so it was cool. So check that out. Episode 70. Episode 71, The Crocodile Queen, Savannah Boone. My goodness, she is the global ambassador for Gatorland and she has so much personality. I loved talking to her. My, oh my gosh, this gal would be fun just to go out with. I mean, oh, I couldn't even imagine going out with this gal. She is such a firecracker and she's hilarious and has this awesome charismatic personality and she's so passionate about alligators and Let's see, Paul, the host of the Varmints podcast, actually did, did, a, did a review of his favorite animal podcast and his favorite episodes, which is a big honor because Paul's like, you know, Varmints podcast is one of the highest rated animal podcasts. It's a, an amazing podcast, by the way, check it out. But he rated his favorite episodes from each of his favorite podcasts. And his favorite episode was episode 71, The Crocodile Queen. And I got a lot of good feedback and it was um, from Savannah in her interview. So I absolutely loved Savannah's interview. What did I learn about this? What did I learn? Oh, I learned how insane her relationship is with these crocodiles. And I say insane in a good way. She talks about playing hide and seek with Rico, a Cuban crocodile. And yeah, it's just crazy just how she, you know, works with these animals on the daily. So absolutely loved talking to Savannah. Episode 72, 10 tips to keep your pet safe during the 4th of July. What did I learn during this one? I learned that people love like top 10 things. It was a pretty highly rated episode. I also, well, I don't think I learned this. I just knew this out of common sense. People, for any holidays, just keep your pets at home. They're not missing out. They don't have the sensation 
of missing out. They don't understand, you know, what, you know, like, oh, it's a holiday. I'm missing out. They don't get that. Just leave them at home where they are safe and everyone can be happy. Episode 73, Reptile Encounters. I had on Josh Cox, who is the founder. He has kind of a reptile education program similar to what I do in Australia, similar to what I do in the States. And it's really interesting what I learned are there some species, and I guess I knew this as well too, but like in Australia that he would love to have, but he just can't because he's in Australia. So some species he would love to have in his program include Burmese pythons. Yeah, it was just like kind of crazy. Like, um, I, I think, did he say ball pythons? Like some of those large Burmese pythons and stuff, they aren't as prevalent in Australia. Also alligators. He'd love to have an alligator. And it's funny because I would love to, I don't know if I'd love to have a crocodile, but to have the experience of working with one would be really cool. So we're able to kind of share similar stories. He also had hilarious names for his walking stick insects. I think one's name was like Margaret or Barbara, something crazy. So I love that. Episode 74. Oh my goodness, you guys. Dream come true episode Derek and Beverly Jobert, National Geographic filmmakers. These are two living legends and I've been watching their documentaries and I'm sure you have too. If you've ever tuned in to a National Geographic special watching lions or the African savanna or just animals in Africa in general and, you know, let's say Botswana, the Okavango Delta, it's probably a film by Derek and Beverly Jobert and to sit down and I'm just like getting chills thinking about it to talk to the filmmakers of some of the most famous wildlife documentaries in the world. One that comes to mind is Eternal Enemies, Lions and Hyenas. It's been seen over, listen to this, one billion times. Billion with a B. It is one of the most, if not the most famous wildlife documentary of all time. To talk to them was a dream come true. It was right up there with Jack Hanna. Matter of fact, maybe even, sorry Jack, maybe even more so. Gosh, that's a lot to say. But it was just, these two are just, to hear their stories and some of their documentaries, The Eye of the Leopard, and you know, to find out what happened to Lacademia the Leopard. And uh, yeah, check it out. It was one of my favorite ones, episode 74, Derek and Beverly Jobert. Another thing I learned is just how just down to earth they were. It was so refreshing. I didn't know how they would be because they are such award-winning filmmakers. And just to come on my show, I didn't know if they'd be excited to or, you know, agree to it. And it took many years to get them on the show. So down to earth. Absolutely loved chatting with them. Okay, episode 75, The Sea Panda. This is when I had on Dr. Cynthia Smith, and she was the VP and Executive Director of the National Marine Mammal Foundation, talking about one of, actually, the world's rarest marine mammal, the vaquita. Now, it is a the world's smallest porpoise. It looks like a little sea panda, hence the name of the episode. And there's only 15 of them left. And, and I think recently... As recording this, they just uh, reported one with a calf. So I think now there's maybe 16 that are still alive in the world. What I learned is that there's still hope and there is still hope. And Dr. Cynthia Smith talks about it and there is enough genetic variation. And if we leave them alone, if we stop fishing, if we stop fishing for these specific fish, I think, is it the tort, not the tortuga, 
that some fish in Asia that they prize for their gallbladder. If we stop fishing for this fish and these animals stop getting caught in these gill nets, we will be able to save the vaquita and they are just found in a small part in that Baja Peninsula and like the Gulf of California in that area. We have to stop fishing. We have to preserve this species, but there's still hope for the vaquita, the world's rarest marine animal. Okay, episode 76, the um, NYC Wonderama recap. It is, this was my second time on the show for Wonderama, the kids TV show I was talking about earlier with David Osman. Such a great time. We filmed two back-to-back segments and it oh, just was awesome. What I learned, let's see, that a large African crested porcupine is not the best animal to get loose in a TV studio. Thank goodness it happened during rehearsals, but we had the porcupine. Her name was Stickerbush, and Stickerbush decided to just take off, and uh, there's not much you can really do, and we just let her explore the studio, and like I said, thank goodness it was during rehearsals, and we didn't have an audience full of kids, but that is something I learned that... You know, when a when a porcupine, you know, when a large porcupine, 50-pound porcupine decides to just take off, there's not much you can do. Just let it do its thing. Episode 77, Stephanie Arnie. Oh, this was a fun episode. What did I learn about Stephanie? She uh, was such a unique person, and I learned more about her minimalist lifestyle. So her and her husband, Tim, they live in a tiny home. They, you know, they're, you know, they're energy efficient. They are just really, really uh, setting a trend for how to be eco-friendly. And I love that about her. What I loved about her too is like, she was the real deal. She's authentic. Like, you know, not only is she out there talking about saving the environment and living this minimalist lifestyle, she actually lives it. And it's not glamorous at times. And I think it's really cool. So I have much respect for Stephanie Arnie. And it was cool to finally collaborate. And I look forward to doing future collaborations with her because I think it would be great to combine our audiences. And yeah, so I'm, yeah, super cool talking to Stephanie. Episode 78, The Great Wolf Debate. Oh yeah, we get into it once again with my, (laughs) this is insane, with Chris and Angie from the All Creatures podcast. Oh my goodness, Chris and Angie are like OGs. They are like original gangsters of the animals to the max show. They are just always there and I love that. And I didn't realize how many uh, times they've been on the show, but that's cool. That's awesome. They probably feel the same about me. Uh, Once again, we talk about wolves. We talk about, uh, we just reopen that can of worms and we look at new data. Check that out. Um, Let's see. One thing that comes to mind that I learned is that wolves kill in America less than 1% of livestock in the U.S. Less than 1%. So, that stat right there should just blow over any type of statement that wolves are taking this devastating toll on livestock all around the country. It's not true. Less than 1%. So, yep, look at the facts. Episode 79, Zookeeper Brian. Oh, this was cool. This was such a fun episode. So, Zookeeper Brian did something I always wanted to do, and that was attend Moore Park College in California, America's Teaching Zoo. He's a graduate, and I was able to talk to him about what it was like um, graduating from the program and working with animals and that whole experience, because I never I, that, I, I never went to that school, and uh, I stayed local and went to Boise State, so it was cool for him to relive that. It's a great episode for anyone who's ever wanted to enter the ETIM program, the Exotic Animal Training and Management Program. He gives great insight. So check out that one. Episode 80, 
zoo history. Oh, this was fun. And I, I'm a huge fan of zoos. I've always, you know, really loved their history. And it was awesome having on the show Carrie Kirkpatrick. She's the blogger of Zoo Walks Through History. And she does so much work and research regarding zoos and their history. And she compiles all these things in this really fascinating blog. And I loved it. I loved talking to her. And man, what I've learned through that just that comes to mind is how zoos have just evolved. They've just evolved. And some of the species that maybe weren't so successful in captivity, for instance, penguins weren't always the easiest to care for. Now we've have mastered that. And now they're, you know, plentiful and we've had successful breeding programs. Also, um, just, you know, animals like the panda, how, you know, we've had them since, oh my goodness, I want to say the 30s, I believe, and how they were brought over, you know, from China by a American socialite, you know, who would be the equivalent of Kim Kardashian uh, to Chicago. And it just was really cool to look at the history of zoos. And this is crazy. To this date, it is one of the highest rated episodes. So people love zoo history. Episode 81, Italy. Wow. Oh, what a fun trip. My goodness, just mentioning the name misses, uh, makes me miss the pasta and the food and the pizza. This was the first ever podcast I decided to do that really wasn't animal related. There were a few animal mentions, but my wife and I took a two-week vacation to Italy and I just relived everything in the podcast. More or less, I think, you know, for you, the listener, and I, I actually say it up front, I say, hey, listen, if you're into animals and you don't really give a crap about Italy or traveling to Italy or traveling to Europe, feel free to skip over it. This might not be for you, but I had a good time just recapping Italy and, you know, giving travel tips and I enjoyed it. And I, I more or less honestly did it for myself. I would love to be able to go back and, you know, listen to that recap 10 years from now. Like, what did I highlight? What was important to me? And so that's kind of why I did that. And that one was also, you know, rated pretty decently. So apparently you guys also like to hear about pasta and pizza and limoncello, which was delicious. I miss Italy. Definitely would highly recommend it. All right, episode 82, Exotic Animal Training with teacher and trainer Gary Wilson. This guy is just a legend, and he has uh, been a teacher at America's Teaching Zoo at Moore Park College, I believe, since the 70s. He has so much experience, and he was actually recommended by zookeeper Brian, who was on the show a few episodes uh, prior that I just mentioned, and it was great to talk to him. I think what fascinated me one thing that sticks out was his work with dolphins and how the Navy uses them to protect us. And it was just crazy, his experiences training those marine mammals. Episode 83, Jeff the Nature Guy. This guy was so awesome. Yeah, he was so funny. He uh, is the director, of course, of Zoo Montana. And it was crazy. And I guess what sticks out to me is how he took the zoo that was literally in the dumps. It was in the grave. And he says it himself and he builds it up. I think that was back in 2008 and he builds it up to now, you know, it just gained its accreditation and they're working on new exhibits. And I love his philosophy is how, you know, he just focuses on animals that are just fit to that biome. That's just fit for that Montana climate of hot summers and cool winters. So he is not, I mean, unfortunately, and he'll, he'll mention this, he's never going to bring in giraffes or an animal that would not be suited well for the extremes of Montana. But instead, he focuses on animals that can withstand those temperatures. And he has amazing animals, including grizzly bears and, this is awesome, wolverines. It's one of the few zoos 
in the world that has Wolverines. I think I think he has a pair from Germany, and it was really cool to talk to him about Wolverines and their temperaments. And you know, I, apparently the keepers actually do go in there with the Wolverine. So I love that episode eighty four, the hyena scientist. Okay, you guys. So. I'll tell you what, when I started this podcast, Animals to the Max, I had a list of people I wanted on the show, a list of topics. Hyenas were one of them. My favorite animals in the world for some weird reason, God knows why, or God knows what, I don't know. Um, I love hyenas, I love hippos, and I wanted to have Dr. K. Holkamp from Michigan State University on the show. And she talks about hyenas, and I finally landed her years later episode 84 she takes the time and the reason why it took so long it's not because she didn't want to do the show it's because she was she's out in the field and she's working with these hyenas and one thing i learned that just sticks out right away is that the hyena society is similar to baboons which i had no idea so very similar to baboons to where the females there's kind of like a matriarch or whatever that it's kind of centered around a female and the males are more lower ranking and that is something i learned i just a bunch of fun stuff she dispels a lot of fun myths check that out episode 85 leopard seals Whew. once again i don't know why how these landed back to back but sorry by the way you guys have you guys noticed my voice is starting to get hoarse it's been an hour and 40 minutes and I've been talking to a microphone and I I haven't I've I've hardly stopped. I've only paused it to grab another sparkling water or whatever I'm drinking. So yeah, so yeah, if my voice sounds hoarse, that's probably because we're almost to hundred episodes, but we're almost there. Back to what I was saying, episode 85, Leopard Seals with Dr. Doug Krause. This was once again one of those episodes in the very beginning, early stages. I thought, this is an animal I want to highlight. Leopard Seals, I want to do it. And I wanted to have a researcher come on. It turns out there's not a lot of people who work with Leopard Seals. And it was a hard, it was very hard to find a researcher, to find a person to talk about them. And Doug was the person. What did I learn? I learned that they are the size of a grizzly bear. Like, please take that into account. This seal is the size of a grizzly bear and they're swimming in Antarctic waters and they are top predators. But another thing I learned is that these animals eat like, you know, they eat small krill, these little crustaceans. So not only are they taking down other seals and penguins, they're eating krill, these small crustaceans. And it turns out, you know, I might as well just go into this. It turns out that they're really reliant on the krill during the winter and spring months because their prey of seal pups and penguins, a lot of them are just plentiful. So they rely on the krill, especially pregnant females. Blew my mind. That's awesome. Episode 86. All right. So we decided doing something new called Quick Bites. And quick bites were really interesting. Basically, uh, they're just kind of a brief synopsis of each episode. And I started to do this because a lot of people, and I have to give credit to my manager's husband, BJ. BJ, thank you so much. I know you're a fan of the show. He was just saying, hey, like a lot of us, some of us just don't have the time. We don't have the time for an hour to listen to a show. Could you just summarize or put something fun together in less than, I don't know, five, 10 minutes? And I thought that's a great idea. So let's say you love let, yeah, yeah, let's just say you love leopard seals, but it's like, man, I don't have an hour. Can you just hit me with five minutes of fun facts as I'm brushing my teeth or taking the kids to school? Or yeah, I mean, kids don't have that long of, a, of an attention span. Let's put that on. So that's why we decided to do quick bites and we started doing that and they've been very, very popular. So I love that. So check that out of our quick bites and we'll continue to start doing that when we have more animal features. 
episode 87 the big the bad wolf this is when we had oh this awesome passionate gal her name's aspen she's from pounce conservation and she's so passionate about wolves and dispelling myths and misconceptions about them and she is a she is just a trendsetter and she is just trying to get the record straight about i would say america's i i you know what the world's most i would say one of the world's most hated and misunderstood animals next to snakes and bats and spiders i would say wolves have one of the worst reputations and it was amazing being able to talk to just just to aspen and just her passion and she's working on the front line she's dispelling those myths and once again she hits you know during this episode she hits you with a bunch of facts once again that wolves only kill less than one percent of you know livestock and yeah, so definitely check that out. Another fact that kind of comes to mind is that, you know, hunters or a lot of people anti-wolf are blaming wolves for taking out all the deer and all the elk. But according to recent stats, hunters are actually the ones that are depleting more of those animals than the wolves. So by several thousand animals. So check that out for more information. Episode 89. Folks, we're almost there. Keep it with me. We're almost there. It's almost two hours. We're almost there though. Episode 89, Bats. This was a fun one. It's where once again, I sit down with my good friend, Mady, and we talk about bats. We did this live in person. It was so much fun. We did this and we recorded this near Halloween. She brought some live bats. It was the first time I did a video component of the podcast. So you could actually see um, a video component of the bats she brought. She also, we had another rehabilitator show up at that time and they had two baby raccoons. Um, and I'll tell you, let's see, what did I learn during this episode? I learned that raccoons can open doors. That is a true story. The raccoons literally got out. And the only reason why I'm telling you this story, I guess, cause it, it was a success. We're able to capture the raccoons, but it was pitch black. They got loose and it took about an hour to wrangle them, but yeah, they can open doors. All right. Episode 90 is a special Halloween edition. This is kind of a, a special Quick Bites one, eaten alive by a bot fly. So what had happened is that the episode I told you back in season one, uh, Biology, Botany, and a Bot Fly, it was our highest rated episode. It still is to this day. And so for Halloween, I thought, you know what? Instead of listening to that full hour, I should just give listeners who just want to hear about the bot fly that quit snick or snip bit. Is that what you call it? Snippet or that quick chunk of him talking about being eaten alive by a bot fly. So I decided to cut that out and make that its own episode. And now that is actually our highest rated episode is eaten alive by a bot fly. So once again, check that out. Richard Rackman talks about being eaten alive by that fly. It is pretty disgusting. Episode 91, uh, lady killed by a pet python. My thoughts. This is a super sad story. Once again, this is an instance where I'm able to use the podcast to express my my feelings and my take on these sad news stories and it is unfortunate she did pass away i guess one takeaway for a listener if you did not listen to it is that this is a freak accident it rarely happens uh this lady was just an unfortunate incident with the python and things just went for the worse so yeah episode 92 keeper chat our first ever um let's see sent no uh, uncensored explicit podcast i oh my goodness i've never laughed so hard i'm serious you guys i laughed so hard episode 92 hands down i've never laughed this hard on a, on a podcast to date with keeper chat from flora and fauna once again another podcast collaboration they are hilarious and check it out if you want to laugh and also check out keeper chat i'm such a big fan of their podcast they it's kind of an adult podcast or two zookeepers and they talk about 
their experiences with animals being a zookeeper, but it's like from an adult's perspective. So they swear and tell kind of dirty jokes and it's, it's super funny and it's one of my favorite podcasts. So check it out. And, and I just want to say, it's not because they swear because I like it so much. It's just, it's just because it's real, it's authentic, and it's really coming from their vantage point, which I like. And so check that out. We talk about their backgrounds there. Episode 93, Pitbulls, 10 fun facts. So on my Instagram, I started doing animal highlights of my 30 plus animals. We started with my dog, Zoe, of course, who's a pit bull. We did 10 fun facts. What I learned, the number one fact that sticks out is that pit bulls actually don't have the strongest bite of any dog. It turns out that Rottweilers do, uh, then followed by German Shepherds, then followed by pit bulls. Definitely learned about that. Episode 94, dog training with Andrea Arden, Animal Planet's pet expert. Andrea was just so gracious and so much fun to talk to. I also laughed a lot with Andrea. What did I learn? I learned that I am probably not the world's best dog trainer and I have a lot of work to do, but I learned that uh, I need to work with Zoe, my dog, uh, and I need to work with her to make sure she stops waking me up during the middle of the night to be tucked in because that's a bad behavior and I need to learn that that's not you know, correct. And that, um, she needs to not wake me up and she needs to be a good dog. But to be honest, I haven't, uh, I haven't really worked with her on it because I get it. Like I get that she wants to be tucked back into her bed with the blanket over her. Like who doesn't want to be tucked into a blanket? So whatever. Anyway, check that out. Dog training with Andrea Arden. I also learned that all of you who listen to the show have a lot of dog training questions. So Andrea will definitely be back on the show. All right. Episode 95, Wild About the Wooma Python. Once again, one of my animals I featured, Sydney, the Wooma Python. What I want people to take away, which is just crazy, is this unique snake is immune to snake venom. Australia is home to like the most dangerous snake. So they're immune to that venom. And unfortunately, they're critically endangered uh, just, you know, due to habitat loss and people killing them, mistaking them for venomous snakes. So a big takeaway, folks, just leave snakes alone. Okay, episode 96, top 10 turkey facts. Oh boy, so much fun. What did I learn? That uh, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday and that I love my pet turkey named Tom and that you could tell a turkey's gender from their droppings. So a female will have J-shaped poop and a male will have spiral-shaped poop. Episode 97, Saving the Sumatran Rhino. We had on a great guest, Cece Seifert from the International Rhino Foundation. We talk, unfortunately, about the Sumatran Rhino who is now extinct in Malaysia. There are less than 80 individuals left. What did I learn? Once again, like with the vaquita, the, the little porpoise, that there's still hope, there's still genetic variation. Episode 98, Dave Samoni, part one. This guy was awesome. Uh, Dave Samoni, Animal Planet's large predator expert. I, I you know, I, I would say I, I've had a lot of people on the show who, you know, work in the same line of work, you know, you know, working with animals on TV and the media. I just, him and I just clicked. And I just, I love talking to him and his experiences. And he is just the real deal. And I love that about him. And he was so nice and gracious to come back on. Episode 99, Dave Salmoni, part two. You'll hear more about his story and his background. And it was so cool and gracious. And for him just to take the time. And it's crazy how we've worked with the same people on these same shows with these same animals. And yet we just have these crazy experiences. And yeah, so super cool. Absolutely loved talking to Dave Salmoni and folks, we did it. Episode 100. I am, I've almost lost my voice, but uh, we're almost at two hours, but we did it. Wow. 
I didn't think I could talk that long. Actually, I did. Um, you guys, we made it. A hundred episodes. I just recapped all hundred of them with some crazy facts. I hope you listened to this. I hope you guys weren't scared and I hope you didn't run away and think, oh my goodness, it's two hours long. He's going to recap 100 episodes like I'm good. Uh, hopefully you seriously enjoyed it. Once again, thank you to every single one of you who takes the time to listen to the show. I seriously appreciate it. Folks, season three in the next 100 episodes, we have some awesome guests coming up. I cannot wait to share with you their stories and I cannot wait to highlight more amazing animals. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to the show. We did it 100 episodes. Here's to 100 more. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. Please make sure to hit subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps me out. I also encourage you to check out CorbinMaxi.com. You can contact me there personally, even suggest a podcast guest, or if you just want to learn more about animals.